You're listening to Ocean Currents, a podcast brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary. This radio program was originally broadcast on KWMR in Point Reyes Station, California. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Ocean Currents, a show where we talk about the blue part of our planet, the ocean. I'm your host, Jennifer Stock. On this show, we talk with scientists, educators, explorers, policymakers, ocean enthusiasts, adventurers, and more, all uncovering and learning about the mysterious and vital part of our planet. I bring this show to you from NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, one of four national marine sanctuaries in California waters, all working to protect unique and biologically diverse ecosystems. Cordell Bank is located just offshore of the KWMR listening radius off the Marin-Sonoma coast, and it's a hotspot for ocean life above and below the surface. Today, I'm talking with a local West Marin resident, Josh Berry. Josh falls under the category of ocean adventurer, enthusiast, and artist, as he is an active ocean user and has been involved in film festivals, advocacy campaigns, and general awareness raising about the ocean internationally. Josh is on a mission right now to raise some funds to help fund an art series including film, sculpture, performance, and writing that explores the deeper side of the ocean found in all of us. He's preparing for a challenging adventure in our ocean backyard outside of Point Reyes here, and I'm really looking forward to hearing about all the preparation and anticipation for this. So, Josh, welcome. You're live on the air here on KWMR. Thank you. Hello, beautiful West Marin. (laughs) So nice to have you in the studio. Yeah. How's it going today? Have you been in the ocean today? Today, I've not been in the ocean. I've been working in Point Reyes Station all day. I was in Tomales Bay yesterday. And it was beautiful. I got my first swim in two weeks ago, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I, was, I went in at low tide, so it was a little muddy, but it was healthy mud. Healthy mud. That's good. Hey, I see we have a caller here. If you want to give a call back maybe at 1.30, that would be fantastic. Um, we're going to get started with our interview here with Josh. So you grew up here in West Marin. This is a special place where the power of the ocean is parent and the water is a playground for some of us, not everybody. Tell us about how your connection to the ocean started. It started on Tomales Bay at Shell Beach. I learned how to swim there with the Tomales Bay water dogs sometime in the 80s. And it was amazing. I met my best friends there. Probably we were eight or nine years old learning how to swim. And it was often cold and muddy Learning how to swim uh, in July in West Marin can be foggy and really cold. So it was tough. It was not that comfortable at first, but it was fascinating. Just uh, the the green, blue, perfect waters of Tomales Bay was just, it was wonderful. Even as a shivering eight-year-old in the fog, (laughs) in the West Marin summer fog, so that's how it started, learning how to swim on Tomales Bay with great friends that I'm still friends with 25 I, years later. I think learning to swim in open water is probably a really great thing. I learned to swim in a pool, but quickly, of course, was swimming in the, the Long Island Sound and Atlantic Ocean where I grew up. But I actually learned to scuba dive in the ocean itself as opposed to a swimming pool, which I highly recommend. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned swimming pools because when I was younger than that, I was probably five or six, I had a terrible experience in a swimming pool. Ended up on the bottom of the pool fighting for my life. Since then, it's been 
nothing but good news and wonderful experiences. Thanks awesome. to the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's neat about Tamales Bay, for people that maybe just see it for once or twice or are out there and it's kind of muddy, it's hard to see the beauty that's below the water. And I saw on your little video that's promoting this event that you're doing some of the beautiful underwater footage. And I think that's, that's kind of a neat thing. Talk a little bit about some of your exploration of Tamales Bay. Have you spent time underwater? It sounds like you've been snorkeling, maybe diving? and Just diving and swimming and paddling. I've paddled far up the bay from Inverness with an underwater camera. And I just put that camera in the water and film. And I've found amazing underwater forests. The eelgrass is incredible in the, in the shallows of Tamales Bay. There's leopard sharks. There's huge bat rays. I think I've seen the biggest bat ray I've seen is, has maybe a four-foot wide wingspan. Mm-hmm. And just following those with a camera is incredible because they're like a flying spaceship <laughs> underwater. Yeah. It, they're like this crazy secret spaceship flying through the shallows of Tamales Bay. And you can watch them and... They look like this surreal otherworld spaceship in outer space, but it's right in our backyard, right here. I know. You get entranced and you just want to know, where is it going? What's it going to do? It's so fun to follow marine life like that. And, and it's funny because the Tamales Bay is teeming with that kind of life. And all you have to do is go out there and just sit there and watch, and it kind of comes out of the shallows. It's all there right in front of you, but you don't really see it unless you just sit there and are patient, and eventually it all comes to you. It's pretty amazing. That's true. And some of the pieces here that you're talking about, we're going to be talking about the deeper side of the ocean found in everyone. This is part of your the film project and this expedition to, to explore this a little bit and document it in many art forms. And tell us a little bit about this project. Let's just dive right into it. You're pre- preparing for a pretty exciting, challenging paddle that you also are going to create into this wonderful art form to share with many people. So let's just talk a little bit about it, the the ocean inside. Yeah, so I'm going to paddle about 20, 25 miles down the Point Reyes coastline on the ocean side of Point Reyes and camp and paddle along the way in the Point Reyes National Seashore. And... It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I'm just kind of fascinated with long-distance adventure paddles and any kind of human-powered long-distance adventure. I've done a lot of biking, and in South America I did a lot of coastal paddles. And back home here is a place that I've never really explored to that extent. And it's our backyard here, and it's literally my homeland. I grew up here, and it's just ripe for exploration. It really is. It's it's so close, but so far, because it's so it's, rugged. It's so close, but it's such a distant shore at the same time. And it's amazing to me, because it's like another reality out there on the o- open ocean, just offshore of this teeming California civilization with suburbs and traffic and 
tourism and industry and highways and freeways. There's so much going on here in California. But just offshore, two miles from where we're sitting right now, it's like the ultimate remote wilderness. And it's another world. Under the ocean, there's so much going on with all the marine life. There's underwater forests out here that are spectacular, and they're huge. And no one is ever out there. It's totally deserted except for fishing boats and the occasional park ranger and a few crazy hikers and swimmers. But it's so close, and yet it's this just another world. Now, you talk about this other reality, and I, I, I'm translating that, the biological world that you're just describing here. But also, when you get to experience these places with your time on the water, it sounds like a, you almost enter a new reality in yourself, in your, in, in your brain and where you are. Can you describe what that's like in terms of... I mean, I know for me, when I go swimming or have some wonderful wilderness experience, that I just I transform myself. So talk a little bit about that, because this is a big part of what you're hoping to really explore with this 20-day expedition. 20 mile. 20 mile. Not 20 days. <laughs> Sorry. How, <laughs> how long? How fast? How, what's the time span for this? Maybe uh, in a few more months or a few years after some serious training, I'll do 20 days. Right now, it's 20 miles. 20 miles. So that's miles. probably going to be two or three days. Uh-huh. Probably camp overnight, maybe two nights in the national park here. And so one thing that fascinates me is how the, we've all come from the ocean. All life on Earth came from the ocean originally. And the Earth is something like 70% ocean water. And yet it's not really present in most people's lives, but it's, it's where we came from. And our blood, human blood, is extremely similar chemically to seawater. So we are seawater, and we are the ocean. And for me, it's just going, I feel like I'm going back to the womb. I'm going back to my origins when I step in the ocean. And it's just this incredible, completely different, reality. It's like another universe going into the ocean. And you feel so tiny out there with the power of the waves and the power of the ocean currents and just the vastness of open water is so inspiring and so different from land-based reality. And I think humans historically have been deeply inspired by the ocean and by being in the water and just reconnecting to that kind of original experience of coming from the ocean. And it's this incredible creative spring of inspiration out there that uh, I really love to tap into and create some art and writing and interesting stuff from. That's great. So you're going to launch from Drake's Beach? or and, That's the plan. And head north, head north or south? Head south. And it all depends on the weather. You never know with the ocean what's going to be happening. So yeah. uh, I've got a window of time sometime in August where we're hoping to hit the water. So August is a, a nice time. Things typically are pretty abundant. Sometimes it even warms up a little bit in August, but... Maybe. You never know. It could maybe be later. foggy. <laughs> it could be densely foggy or not. So last week there were reports of blue whales right off the beach. I heard about that. And I had a great fortune to go out and see it 
because it's just so rare to see blue whales from the shore. They are so elusive and mysterious, and we're so lucky to see them when we do get to see them. But to go to the to the beach and see blue whales was outstanding. And the first thing I thought of, I'm meeting this guy, Josh. He's going to be paddling. Were they at Drake's? Well, they were off of North Beach, but they're moving around. And the week before, our science team that does a monitoring study saw some a mixed pod, I think it was humpbacks and maybe fin whales. There were some identified baleen whales inside Drake's Bay, actually. So there's a lot of activity happening near shore right now. And I was just thinking, what goes? have you seen whales when you've been paddling in the ocean? I mean, t- gray whales would be pretty typical, but these huge baleen whales that are like 50 feet to 80 feet long. Yeah, I've seen hundreds of whales in the 25 years that I've been out on the coast here. And it's interesting, when I was younger, growing up out here, I didn't see that many whales. And just in the past three or four years, I've seen more whales than I've ever seen in my life just out here. And That's it's great. Some days I'll see 10 to 15 big whales just cruising right offshore, sometimes with little baby calves, sometimes solo. And it's amazing. You can stand up on the dunes if you're on the beach and you can watch them sometimes for 15, 20 minutes because they're just slowly swimming by. It's fascinating. It's awesome. And yeah. they're such intelligent creatures. Like they have some serious brain power <laughs> and they use it. And it's fascinating to watch them. Have you been underwater and seen whales? I've been on the water. I don't think I've actually been underwater diving with whales. That's intense. Yeah, I can't imagine. The pictures I see, I always wonder what's going on here. I think my heart would be flying outside my body if yeah. that happened. But I think they're pretty smart, and they uh, are pretty gentle around humans. Well, that would be so exciting. Well, just last week, it was just amazing, and I was telling everybody, go to the ocean, see yeah. some whales. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with all the whales I've seen just in the past two years. It seems like there's more and more going by now. The humpback population has really come back. Has it? Post-whaling. You know, we that's the one thing that people don't realize. We were whaling... As a population, as you know, here in the United States, up until 1972, and we have really decimated those populations. Humpback populations have really come back. Blue whales have not. It's a big concern. The uh. blue whale population is is not coming back, and there's a lot of uh, some thoughts about why that is. Part of it's related to the increase of ship traffic, large ships. And ship strikes on them. Yeah, so yeah. I was going to mention that a little bit towards the end of the show. The sanctuaries have been working on that issue a little bit, trying to figure out a way to help help these whales and, and work with people to help reduce these impacts. But it, it there has been increase of whales up here, so it's great to hear people saying, yeah, there's more whales. Yeah, I've definitely been seeing a lot of them. And often year-round, not even in the specific season that you think is whale-watching season, but I think nowadays, year-round, I've seen whales. Well, it's testament to the productivity in our ocean here. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. So folks just tuning in, this is Jennifer Stock. You're listening to Ocean Currents, and I have Josh Berry in the studio with me. We're talking about this exciting project he's working on, The Ocean Inside. And I, I imagine getting ready for this. This is a 20 mile paddle and you're also preparing for just the the way to document this for for other people to be inspired I imagine are you do you have a specific group or audience in mind or are you hoping to just get as many people to see and and learn from your experience after I don't think numbers of people is important to me uh, but I'm 
my audience is humans. Maybe some dolphins also. <laughs> I haven't figured out yet how to reach the dolphins, but it's probably a psychic connection that I'm having with them. Saying, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> so, yeah, humans, dolphins, whales, any kind of cetacean could probably appreciate what I'm doing. That's great. Yeah, hopefully the sharks will hear it too. Yeah, they need it. Yeah. They need it. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a Kickstarter campaign. I do. Tell us a little bit about it. What are you hoping to get from this? Well, Kickstarter is an online crowdfunding platform where you can go to this website and read about this project called The Ocean Inside, and you can pledge financial support anywhere from a dollar to as much money as you want to help me fund the creative art film production that I want to do after the paddle. So I'm going to be filming some of this paddle, and I'm going to be creating a whole exhibition of sculpture and photography and uh, creative nonfiction writing from this whole adventure. And that all costs money. So I'm trying to raise some funds to help fund all of this. And I really need everyone's support for this to really work the way that I want to make it work and to share it with the world. And so if you go to kickstarter.com and you search for the ocean inside, or you can just search my name, Josh Berry, you'll find there's a short video, kind of a trailer, explaining the whole project. And there's a little write-up of what it's all about and how you can help. Excellent. It's yeah. a great way to do it. People can it only you only it only people are only charged if the full amount that you want to shoot for is raised, right? Exactly. So I'm trying to raise nine thousand dollars, and it's going slow. So now's crunch time. We've got about ten days left before we hit our deadline of having to raise nine thousand dollars. And so I need everyone to go online and check it out. And you don't have to donate a lot of money. You can do as little as $1, and it all helps. And you get awesome rewards if you pledge. I saw that. You have all these really cool things. If, uh, if people pledge a certain amount of money, there's little things like a preview or a preview party or a special book that you're going to make. Yeah, I'm making a small book that's going to feature photography and writing from this whole adventure. And then... Uh, producing this film, which we'll be exhibiting out here in West Marin and also in San Francisco. And I want to do this whole film art exhibition that's all integrated together. And if you pledge your support, you get invited to the event, and you might get a copy of the book that we're producing, all kinds of interesting stuff like that. That's great. So kickstarter.com, check it out. Look up for o The Ocean Inside or Josh Berry. And check out his little film. It's really nice, actually. I loved the sounds and the, f the photography in it. It was great. So we'll bring that up again, too, for, for folks. And this project, I just want to point out, I'm not profiting off of it. None of us who are involved in producing this whole thing, none of us are going to profit off of it. But we are trying to cover expenses. Right. You know, there's travel expenses. There's film expenses, which are not free. And just production of interesting content. You know, so we're just trying to pay for the production of some of this content. 
So while you're on the board, and is this a, like a stand-up paddle board or a surfboard or what type of board is this? It's like an extra large stand-up paddle board. It's the board I'm hoping to use. I'm not sure what, which board yet I'll be using, but the one I'm hoping to paddle is 14 feet long. Mm-hmm. And it's big. It's wide. It's heavy. It's kind of a boaty, extra large surfboard kind of designed for open water paddling mm-hmm. and um it's kind of a boaty beast out on the water and i like that because we'll be paddling a remote wild stretch of coastline so i think more board is better to be out there for safety reasons and speed and just being out there on the open water like that yeah do you have some support in terms of uh communication to land or is there going to be a Someone else paddling with you, or? Well, I'm coordinating with the national park, so they'll be aware of what I'm doing. And one of our campsites will be in the Point Reyes National Seashore at Wildcat Camp. So I'll have uh, probably one or two person support crew that's going to hike in, mm-hmm. and I'll meet them from the water. So Wildcat Camp is pretty close to the water almost right on the coast in the middle of the national park. So I'll have one or two people camping there with supplies and support. That's good. And then I'll be paddling. I'm not sure yet if I'm paddling alone or I'm trying to invite some friends along. We'll see who actually does it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm inviting a few people, and hopefully someone will be with me in the water too. Or maybe parts of it, legs of it, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they'll just step in for a couple hours and paddle away and we'll see we'll see what happens yeah you know when i've been on the water for like go out with the intention my husband and i have a rowboat and we love to row but then we got we have these underwater little cameras digital nothing fancy at all and we got obsessed with eelgrass and we'd be floating around and i found myself sometimes realizing gosh we're spending so much energy here filming as opposed to just enjoying this place and being here and do you find do you are you expecting that in terms of when you're on the water in terms of paddling and moving forward but you also want to be present and then you also want to document how do you manage all that when you're on the water Well I think being out on these open waters here in northern California it's extremely demanding and it's not a friendly environment at all like I've been training for this for 6 months and I've been exploring these waters here for 20 plus years so I have a lot of experience and a lot of training put in and so I'm pretty comfortable on the coast here in any kind of conditions so that's going to help a lot but I think also that being out in these demanding ocean conditions really forces you to be in the moment regardless of what you're doing because if you're not in the moment and totally tuned in you're not going to survive because mm-hmm. it's it's not a friendly environment and you have to be completely tuned into the ocean conditions and the weather and your own body and you have to be really in the moment and totally committed to what you're doing or you're not going to make it so i think just being in the water out here immediately puts you in that that frame of mind yeah yeah. So I take it you'll probably have a lot of time at the end of the day to reflect and <clears throat> to share a little bit. Are you going to try to record live in terms of this is 
Well, I've got a tiny, I've got a tiny waterproof camera that attaches to my board, and that'll be filming automatically most of the time. So I won't even have to think about that. It'll just be attached to my board while I'm paddling, recording whatever's happening. And then, you know, when in calm moments, when things are quiet, I can be more, more working at filming and capturing stuff. I'll also have a tiny camera at the ready in case a whale jumps on me or, <laughs> you know, dolphins frolicking nearby or anything that I want to capture like that. I can do that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been filming on the ocean now for like about five years. So I'm pretty good at being on the water and knowing when to have the camera out ready to shoot and when to be paddling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got 20 miles to go. You can't sit around filming all day. That's right. You said you've made a couple films. Are there other films people can see of yours online? Or you mentioned that you did a film Well, earlier while we were talking about you produced a, a, like a 15-minute film and then it ended up going around the world at film festivals or something. Tell us a little bit about what's the name of it and what was it about? Let's see. I think it was in 2006. I was in Chile working for Save the Waves Coalition, and I was doing this whole Chile program on coastal conservation and water quality and environmental activism based on how surfers and kind of coastal people are affected by all these environmental issues and pollution and water quality. And then I started filming with a friend. We were filming some experiences we had, and he was a kind of up-and-coming cinematographer. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just helping him produce stuff and make stuff happen. And we shot this 15-minute film on a budget of about $2,000. And it was kind of a documentary activist adventure film called Pulp Poo and Perfection. And it explored pulp mill pollution on the coast in Chile and also sewage pollution on the coast and how surfers and fishermen and coastal people are affected by all that stuff. And it ended up, we, we turned it into a 15-minute short film and just decided that the final product was kind of awesome and we submitted it to a ton of film festivals. And it traveled all over the world. I think it was in over 20 film festivals in between 2007 and 2009. Was this about in the San Francisco Ocean Film Festival? It was. I, I think, think in I 2008, maybe. I can't remember the year, but yeah, it was. It's we've had a couple of films in that. I think I've seen your film, and I didn't even know it was you. Nice. I didn't make the connection. High five. <laughs> because I, I love that film festival. It's great. And I did see a film about the pulp industry in Chile and the surfers and the, and the local uh, fishermen and the community and yeah, the and rallies. I, I, was, and I presented it at the film festival there in Fort Mason. All right. This is going back, but I'm pretty sure that's great. Yeah. So that kind of kicked it all off in terms of... Yeah. How to document and share and edit, and, and now you've produced this thing that many people have seen. So that's pretty exciting. And then after that, we made two more films about Chilean coastal issues from a surfer's perspective. And one of them was another 15-minute short about uh, coal plant pollution on the coast in Chile. And another one we did was a five-minute short 
called All Points South, which was also about pulp mill pollution and fishermen's activism against all this pollution on the coast down there. And with each film, we just kind of got more experience and more time in editing and shooting and finding these crazy stories out there. And it's just kind of snowballed since then into some interesting film work. Well, we're going to take a short break here, and we'll come back and we'll explore the ocean inside just a little bit further with Josh Berry here. You're listening to Ocean Currents, and this is Jennifer Stock. We're going to take a short music break. Please stay with us. On KWMR, this is Jennifer Stock, and I have Josh Berry, a local Inverness West Marin resident here in the studio with me, and we're talking about this fascination with the ocean and the deeper side of the ocean in terms of connecting with it. And, you know, you mentioned to me, Josh, earlier about this idea about human-powered exploration, how this really is something fascinating to you. And I'm excited by that. I had Roz Savage on our show a while ago. She's a rower, a long-distance rower, and I became fascinated with this because it's just an incredible test of skill and really preparation. And um, talk a little bit about how you kind of got into this. Yeah, I think that I've I've traveled all over the world on jet planes. I've had some incredible, unforgettable adventures in the most exotic places in South America and Southeast Asia and Europe and Africa. But it was all jet-fueled. And I started realizing that there's this deep tradition of human-powered exploration that's literally created civilizations all over the world. I mean, the South Americans, Peruvian adventurers, the Polynesian adventurers. People walked from Russia across the Bering Straits all the way down into the Americas. And this was all human-powered. And it's literally created probably every civilization. And now that's a lost art. But it's still we're still totally capable of doing these long-distance adventures and exploring the world without all this fancy modern technology and without all this jet fuel and gasoline and engines. You don't, we don't need any of that. We can literally step outside in our backyard and go as far as we want to go, as far as we can dream of going. It's all right here. And so that's something that I've been getting more and more interested in is just instead of going on some, ep, uh, some tropical fantasy exotic vacation, which everyone seems to want to do, why don't you just step outside and do an adventure right in your own backyard? Because it'll be just as incredible. It'll be just as challenging, if not more challenging. And it's right here. You don't have to go halfway around the world. You can do it all right here. And it's fascinating. That, to me, is just amazing. That, And that's been going on for millennia. The people just wanting to get away and they start walking or swimming or sailing or whatever they do and amazing stuff happens. 
I can relate to that. I my time to explore and be outside has gotten much more compressed now that I've had a, a baby and but it's starting I'm starting to see the windows open up again and if I get a, an hour swim after work at the beach mm-hmm. and I get to see a little fish or a fish lice, you know, playing around on my toes. It's so exciting and I get so reconnected again right away in just the smallest amount of time and I really encourage other people to do that too, just to explore our own backyard because it is so amazing. We're really lucky here to have this amazing biodiversity at our fingertips and it doesn't take much. And you know, in 2006, I think it was, I was working a dead-end office job and I wasn't very happy and I was riding my bike to work one day and a friend of mine stopped me on the road and he said, hey, do you want to sail to Hawaii this week? We need an extra deckhand. And I had barely any sailing experience, but I could cook and I could tie a rope and I could hold my own. So I quit my job and two days later, I found myself sailing out under the Golden Gate Bridge out of San Francisco. And it was the most incredible, challenging, unforgettable adventure I've ever had in my life. And it was all just from wind power and human-powered exploration going out to San Francisco, and we ended up out in the middle of the ocean on Kauai. And it was spectacular. It was the best thing I've ever done in my life. And I didn't have any experience, really. I just was in the right place at the right time and decided to step away from my office job and get out there and explore. And I did it, and it was the most unforgettable thing I've ever done. That's great. And it was all thanks to the ocean and the wind. (laughs) Not a lot of people can do that, though. I mean, it does. There are certain people that can step away from a a career or a job or whatever and do that. But, you know, a a majority of us have a a very intertwined life with a a job, a career, with an income and a home and a family. I mean, what do you say for people that a lot of us represent that dynamic in terms of hard to do? It's only hard to do if you think it's hard to do in your head. Ultimately, I think that kind of stuff, it's just in your head. You can do whatever you want to do. It's just society that's telling you that you need to pay your house mortgage or you need to educate your kids a certain way in a certain school and pay tuition or you need to pay for $500 a month health insurance. All that stuff adds up. Ultimately, though, I don't think you need any of that stuff. You don't need to pay this crazy cell phone bill and work all these long, hard hours to fund all this fancy stuff. Ultimately, I think that's all just stuff in your head that society is telling you you need. But you can, I think you can make the decision to step away from that and do something else if you want to. Or maybe there's somewhere in between. Absolutely. You could always just step outside into your backyard and explore right here in this beautiful place we live in. Enjoy the moment wherever you are, ultimately. And you can always enjoy the moment creatively, no matter where you are. There's always something awesome going on that you can enjoy, and it's happening right now. Well, I like that's what you're trying to do, and it's great that you're doing these paddles and experiences, but what I really like is you're trying to interpret and share them with other people. I think that's pretty cool. You're going to announce to anybody when you're going to take off, or is it just going to be going for it? I'm just going for it because it really depends on the weather and ocean conditions and It'll be sometime in early August. Mm-hmm. I'll say that much. But I can't say exactly when because you never know. Could plan on August 5th and then there's high surf or strong winds and you can't go anywhere for a week. You never know with the weather. 
Right. So let's just say it's going to happen soon. Great. Well, Josh, thanks for coming in today to share a little bit about your experiences. And Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. It's really fun. I, I keep imagining myself simply because I got to try stand-up paddleboard this weekend, and I really fell in love. And so I'm really thinking about being on the ocean like that. It's pretty intimidating. So good luck to you. And Thank you. I hope you can make it through. And again, the website and the project name. So if you go to kickstarter.com and you search for the ocean inside... You'll find the whole project description and all the goodies. And you got nine or ten days left? Ten days left to fund this thing. So I need your support. Yeah. Thanks again, Josh. We're going to take a short break, come back with some other ocean announcements, and we will be coming back to Ocean Currents. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for staying with us. You're tuned to Ocean Currents. This is Jennifer Stock, and we just talked with Josh Berry. He's a West Marinite here doing lots of cool ocean exploration and adventuring and thinking about the brain power of all this in terms of well, how, do the, how does the ocean affect us personally and, and emotionally, which is really wonderful. I think a lot of us need to tune in more to the ocean. It's so relaxing. I know for me, huge thing. So I really want to thank Josh for coming in while he's getting ready for this big paddle on a really cool stretch of coastline here. Very unexplored, so that'll be fun to see what comes out of that. I wanted to give you a couple other updates of things that are going on. Well, we mentioned earlier, there's been a lot of whales in the area, a lot of humpback whales, blue whales, fin whales. These are all baleen whales, and they've been pretty near shore. We've had reports from our science team that is part of a a collaborative study called ACCESS. It's with PRBO Conservation Science Gulf of the Farallones and Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuaries, and they do surveys throughout the year to really get a sense of what's going on on the water in oceanographic conditions as well as the surface wildlife that can be seen. And they got they had a cruise just about a week and a half ago and had a lot of near-shore sightings of whales. It seems early for that in terms of seeing the amount that they did, a lot, a lot of whales, and excitingly enough, some of them to be visible from shore. So I got a chance to go out last week to the beach when I heard about some blue whales sighted near shore. And it, sure enough, less than a mile offshore, we saw a couple blue whales, and it was really cool. I mean, you don't get to see that very often. And it, it was just thinking about what Josh was saying earlier about just getting out. I just It was so wonderful to be out at the beach and hearing the waves and feeling the wind and seeing these whales and just felt so lucky to be here and see them in their element. And... I hope that folks will take the time to get out if you can and, and just scan the water and look for those blows. We might They might still be around. Who knows? They're moving all the time. But likely there was some prey near shore, probably some small schooling fish, some krill. Blue whales only eat krill, so there's probably a lot of good stuff near shore for them at the time. And uh, keep posted. Hopefully we'll, we'll have more whales. But with more whales in the area has been definitely um, a concern for the large ship traffic that comes and goes from San Francisco Bay. And you may have heard a fin whale was was found on a beach out here in West Marin that had definite impact from a large, probably a container ship, and unfortunately it was dead. And this is not uncommon, unfortunately. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about some of the work that's being done, and I think we'll have a future show really dedicated to this, but the Gulf of the Farallones and Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuaries, as you know, are right offshore here north of San Francisco and outside of San Francisco where these whales tend to congregate because of the great food, but it's also where all the ships come through. And so our sanctuary advisory councils had a joint working group, which was 
basically people of different expertise, scientists, uh, people from the shipping industry, people from the the government side with NOAA, Office of, of National Marine Fisheries and National Marine Sanctuaries, and really looking at the big issue for over a year and, and having all these experts come in and making a series of recommendations of how can we help reduce the impacts on these cetaceans, these large whales. And so a series of recommendations were uh, put together and presented to these advisory councils. And um, next steps are now with NOAA and the Office of National Marine Sanctuaries and National Marine Fisheries Service in terms of what to do based on these recommendations. And so you can read these, read up on it a little bit more if you're interested. Um, right now, you can get the recommendations off the Gulf of the Farallons website at farallons.noaa.gov. It will be on the Cordell Bank website really soon. And you can read a, a short version there that tells the types of things that everyone's looking at potentially doing to help reduce the impact. So that is pretty exciting work that these working groups on behalf of these sanctuary advisory councils did and hoping to uh, better protect these animals that are using these really special waters. Another great opportunity to get out on the water is the Cordell Bank Field Seminar. And this is a classroom seminar of half day where we do a little introduction to the whales and seabirds and the underwater stuff. And then we do two field trips, so one uh, boat trip right away the day after and another boat trip the following week. And you can go on either or boat trip. But it's one of the only trips, actually, that goes to Cordell Bank uh, through the National Marine Sanctuary um, to see the wildlife that is there. And we try to go one, during one of the best times of year in September. Usually the whales are, stick, are still around and we can have usually decent sea conditions. I say usually because it's so variable. But you can go to ptreyes.org. That is the Point Reyes National Seashore Association website. And go to Field Institute and check out how to register for that event. It's September 15th, 16th, and 23rd, and it's great. I love meeting new people there out there that are trying to learn more about this place and, and get their own ocean experience offshore. Pretty exciting. So the, the Cordell Bank Field Seminar. And lastly, I have been getting uh, reports about tsunami debris mostly up on the north coast of Oregon and Washington, and it's definitely a concern for us here. Just one story to share that was a dock that came across, a very large dock that definitely had its origins in Japan, and the problem with it is that it carried with it a lot of invertebrates that are not from around here, and they were alive, and they, you consider that invasive spe species, species that could potentially overtake a, a native ecosystem. So there are things that are starting to wash up along the West Coast, and I thought I should just remind people that if you are out on the beach and you are concerned of something that you see, let people know. Out here in the National Seashore, you can let the National Seashore know. There's also the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration looking for information. If there's something specific, you can report to disasterdebris at noaa.gov and give them as much information as possible of what you see, a location, a date, and a time. Photos are helpful. But definitely contact your local authorities, including 911, if, if it's something really big. It could be hazardous 
or if there's any potential that you think that there's human remains involved, although they think it's very unlikely. Just something to think about. I've had a lot of people emailing me saying, I found this. Do you think it's from the tsunami? And it's really hard to say because, as you know, marine debris has been an ongoing issue for many years. And we get a lot of things on our shores that are already from other parts of the Pacific Ocean due to the, the gyre that moves around and moves things around naturally on its own. So some things are going to be easier to tell than others. But definitely all hands to help clean up is a great thing. Just be careful and use your, use your common sense for how to deal with that. You can hear past episodes of Ocean Currents on the Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary website. Just click on education and you can hear all the past six years of, of Ocean Currents radio programs. You can also go to iTunes and, and catch up on things there. Thanks again for tuning in. And it was really fun having Josh in the studio. It's summertime. Make some time to get outside and enjoy the coast if you can. Get in for a swim or a walk and just tune into how the ocean makes you feel. It's a good thing. Thank you for listening to Ocean Currents. This show is brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary on West Marin Community Radio KWMR. Views expressed by guests on this program may or may not be that of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and are meant to be educational in nature. To learn more about Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, go to cordellbank.noaa.gov.